is good. Dios es bueno. I am truthfully honored to be here today. At, um, at Pastor Roland's church. Um, I've heard so much about you guys. and I've met several of you guys before in the past. And, ah, and I'm just excited. Of what God is doing in this place. Yes. The Lord is so good to us. Um, years back, before, before I could um, be the, the person that Pastor Rona mentioned, uh, he did the same for me. Um, my dad passed away. I, I, I disliked people telling me that they understood what I had gone through. And I knew that they still had their dad standing and living. And all it took is one word from Pastor Ronan that said to me, this too shall pass. And if there's anything I can do, I'm here, and I'm for reals. And I'll be honest with you, when I met Pastor Ronan, I thought he was really weird. <laughs> but I have learned to love this man of God. I said I have learned to love this man of God. I, he broke me. He broke me as he was speaking because I'm very limited with my friends. I'm not, I'm not heavy loaded with friends. People think that I'm heavy loaded with friends, but I'm not. I'm very, I'm very um, careful and cautious on who I call friend. Um, I believe that a friend will be there at any given time, whether you have a lot or you have very little or you have none. Amen. <laughs> and um, we, we, we love him and his wife, his daughters, and we love everything that they do for the Lord and and when he said, can you come down on a Wednesday, I said, where to Coachella, Indio? He said, yes. And I said, well, let me pray about it. <laughs> and immediately once I hung up the phone, the Spirit of the Lord said, you will be there. You will be there. I didn't call him back because I knew he would say, I told you so. But I did text him back and I said, I will be here. And God made the way for me to be here today. And I'm honored to be here. I salute every single one of you guys in leadership and those who work and labor in the kingdom. God bless you. My hugs to you on behalf of my family, my children, the church that I pastor where your pastor has been there, has rocked the house and blessed us as you guys know how he's able to do in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us go to the word of God. Let us go to the word. I do understand it's Wednesdays and majority of you guys work tomorrow and I want to be very respectful of your time. Um, like Pastor Roland said, I speak multiple languages. I feel the most comfortable in Spanish. I speak Japanese, Portuguese, and some English from Compton. I was born and raised in Compton. Amen. So let's go to the book of Psalms, Psalm 91, verse 1. Give me about 30 minutes of your life, if you may. And, um, and if I speak in Spanish, just say, Gloria a Dios. Psalm 91, verse 1, reads as follows. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Dwells where? In the secret place of the? Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let's read it all together at the count of three. One, two, three. He who dwells. You may be seated. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord God. Allow for me to be able to transmit that which you placed in my spirit for this night tonight lord god in your precious name jesus and god's people said Amen. revival wednesday yell with me revival wednesday when i saw that you guys were celebrating revival wednesday i said what got into pastor ronan's head amen and knowing how aggressive he is and how firm uh, how, uh, how assertive he is about doing things and carrying things i said something must have been stirred up in his spirit and and I left it alone. I didn't say anything. I said, I'm just going to follow him like I always do. And I started seeing uh, his praise reports. And all of a sudden, I got a call last month. And he said, I'm going to want you to come on a Wednesday. And knowing that Wednesday becomes really difficult for me, I, 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 I intentionally kind of like deviated that thought process on from him. But knowing him, he didn't forget. And at the end of the conversation, he said, I'm going to want you to come on a Wednesday. I said, okay, God bless you. We'll be in touch. Amen. 
Eventually, it came to pass, and we're here today. But when I when when he started talking about Wednesday revival, Wednesday, I, I I I love the fact I love the fact that revival is something that you guys are not only preaching about, but you guys are walking under the revival. Somebody say Amen today. Because, see, revival is not something that you can just proclaim, but it's something that it is felt as well. See, you can't just say that somebody's on revival and, you, and once you're under the sound of their voice, you can't feel anything from up above. But as I entered these doors and I was sitting there and I was standing there and I was listening to you guys worship, there is a wave of the power of the Holy Spirit coming up on this place. Can somebody say amen today here? And see, and, and I want you to understand one thing, that this verse is so appropriate for what's going on in this place. Psalm 91, verse 1, reads as follows. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. We need to understand who is the writer of this verse. And if you go into the scripture, you understand that there is no writer. There's no writer that was, that there's, no, there's no proof of a writer. That, that there's no factual um, name over this verse. And, and usually, theologically speaking, when there is no title to the, there, there is no uh, 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 writer to the verse they usually credit the person that wrote the verse before in this case the person that wrote the psalm 90 was moses the great deliverer say with me moses the great deliverer see and when we start reading this verse we come to the understanding that there can have, there could have been nobody else except for moses because of what he's defining through this verse and he's and it reads out and we read it out like he said he who dwells in the secret place of the most high we understand one thing if you start analyzing the life of moses all of us know that moses lived 120 years 120 what 120 years. Uh, Moses' life was split up and was partitioned in three sections. 40 years while he was in Egypt where he was born. 40 years while he was in Midian where he dwelled with his brother and that's where he got married. And then 40 years in the wilderness. 40 plus 40 plus 40 is 130. 120. Amen. Glory to God. And as we understand his life, as we understand his, his lifestyle, we understand that within this scripture, we understand that it could have been nobody else except for Moses. The Bible says that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, he's talking about, see, because one thing I came here to tell you from Los Angeles, California, born and raised in Compton, God moved us out, thank God for his presence over our lives. But I want you to understand something, that revival it was never meant to be seasonal. The revival was meant to be forever and forever and forever. Revival is not just a Sunday morning where I raise my hands and I say glory to God. Revival is 24-7, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Touch your neighbor and tell them, I'm on a revival 24-7. Come on. See, because you need to understand that. I don't know about you guys. How many of you guys love to have company at your house? Notice that not everybody said amen. But there's some people that come to your house and you can't wait till they leave. They get there, once they get them, I hope they don't, I hope they don't stay long. I know you're not going to look at anybody right now, but I'm going to look at everybody. Right? Like, oh man, here they come again. And they just stay. They don't go. And then you try to wrap up what you're talking about, thinking that they might get the hint. Yeah, yeah, well, it was good seeing you guys. And yeah, that's why we came. We're so happy to be here. But then there's some people that when they come to your house, you don't want them to leave. You want them to stay. You keep on giving them Doritos. You keep on giving them coffee. You make them a good burrito. You want them to stay. After they finish that burrito, you bring the tostadas with ceviche because you don't want them to go nowhere. You want them to stay because when they arrive to your house, they don't arrive alone. They arrive with the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that are walking in revival. I'm talking about people that when they open their mouth, blessings come out and flow out of their mouth. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but there's some people that you don't want them to leave. Why do you think when pastors visit you, you don't want them to believe like, hey, pastor. And he's like, and pa we're in a rush. We got to go pray for you, 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 you. And you're trying to hold us down. And then I'm talking about my life story. You give me burritos. You give me cheeseburgers. You give me last week's leftovers. 
And seeing as I was talking to God and I was telling him, Lord, what do you want me to take to abundant life? And he was telling me, son, I want you to let them know that that which I'm doing and I'm manifesting over their house, it's not seasonal, it's not temporary. I want them to dwell in it. I don't want it to be a visitation. I want them to dwell on it. I don't want them to experience and encounter me once in a while. I want them to walk in it. I want them to dwell in it. I want them to stay on it. I want my manifestation to dwell in this house. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, son, let them know that what I've ignited over their house, it's not a spark. It's not a dud. It's a bomb. It's dunamis. <laughs> it's Pentecost. Ignited. But I don't want them to stay at that level. I want them to go higher. I want them to go greater. I want them to go deeper. I want my fire to be present. Because I'm going to tell you some church. In the final days that we're living in. The power of God will convict any human being. The manifestation of God is here. Raise your hand and say glory to God. So he goes, so Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Let me behave myself for a little bit. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He's giving us instructions. And he's letting us know, you know what? This thing about being sanctified, this thing about being, about walking under the anointing of God, it cannot be a temporary thing. It cannot be a every so often thing. It has to be an all the time thing. It cannot be just when I feel good. It cannot only be during tax season where I get a cash sent back to me. It cannot be when my car is running okay. It cannot be when my boyfriend is okay with me. It cannot be when my wife is okay with me. It has to be whether she's happy, whether she's mad at me, I'm going to dwell in him. If I got money, if I don't have money, I'm going to dwell in him. If I feel sick or if I feel okay, I'm going to dwell in him. Touch your neighbor and tell him, I don't care what you're going through. Go ahead and dwell in his presence. See, because I'm not, I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about over there in L.A. But I can't stand people that fluctuate. Not here. I know all you guys are not like that. People that, how you doing, brother? I'm on fire. Be careful. Don't get burnt. Then the next week, <laughs> big old baby. Big old baby. You ain't coming to church today? Nah, my, my son got a little cold. Man. Man. Why are you going to wait until they say that they found something in this bloodline for you to want to rush to church? Is somebody here today? Is somebody here today? Is somebody here today? Why are you going to wait until the doctor brings that negative report? No, 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 no. A negative report or positive report. I'm going to dwell in the power of God. I'm going to remain standing and say, in the good times, in the bad times, I will serve the living God. Somebody shout hallelujah. I don't care if I have a 2.0 GPA or a 4.6 GPA. I'm going to be sitting down on Wednesday night raising my hands and praising Jesus. We're only here an hour and a half, two hours. He is worthy of my praise. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he says, he says, he who dwells. What is it, what is it to dwell? You know, what is it to dwell? According to the scripture. See, to dwell is, it's simple. To dwell is to sit. Have you ever seen people that are anxious? They look like they're on crystal, but they're not. They're just worried about everything. I ain't worried about nothing. Just give me some potato chips and I'm good. They're worried. They're at church. They're like, the elders come, they come behind them. They think they're going to hit them or something. They're paranoid. And they have not come to the understanding that this is a place of peace. This is a place of presence of God. Somebody say, yes, 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 yes. Somebody say, glory to God today. And see, and what it means to dwell is this. Can somebody bring me a chair up here, Pastor Roland? Just bring me a chair. I'm sorry. 
that's okay. I don't come back tomorrow. So that means to sit, to sit down and see, and God wants you to dwell in the life that he's given to you. See, there's people with such low self-esteem. There's women with such low self-esteem that they see their husband. I'm about to get Latino here. They see their husband, you know, with the eyes that just kind of flow when, 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 when a woman passes by. And they're like, they're. And that woman looks at themselves and they don't feel enough. They don't feel that because they don't have what that woman felt. But you know what? When you dwell in the secret place of the most high, it don't matter. My wife is 5'1". She's an athlete. She runs eight miles a day. I walk eight steps to the kitchen. I don't do none of the above. But I'm the finest, fat-looking guy that God could have gave her. Ain't nobody better than me for her because God gave me her. And I, God gave her to me and her to me and me to her. I ain't got no low selfishness. If you think I do, ask Pastor Ron. I ain't got no problem with that. But see, what he's saying is, he who dwells. He's saying, he who understands a promise and understands his ground and has a seat. Hey, fat boy, somebody's going to take your wife. Nope. They're going to have to go through God to take my wife. Because I'm sitting down on my promise. I'm sitting down and dwelling in a place where nobody else can go unless they have Jesus. And if you dwell in that secret place, I don't care what threat comes your way. I don't care who try to rise up against you. God will fight in the battle. Somebody scream hallelujah. See, because, come on, come on, Pastor. Come on, come on. Have a seat, have a seat, have a seat, have a seat. There's people here. There's people here. This is what the Holy Spirit told me. There's people here that the devil's telling them, you don't belong here. What are you doing here? These people are crazy. Huh? And they're at the edge, they're, they're at the edge of the seat. They're getting ready to take off. And what you don't understand is the closer you are to taking off, the closer you are to receiving your miracle. Our Lord's gonna bless your life. God's gonna give you what you've been asking for. And God, and the devil's trying to shake you away. But what he does not know is that that chair has been marked by God, not for anybody else, but for you. <laughs> All it takes is for you to say, I'm going to grab my seat and the devil's going to have to wait because I'm about to be blessed by God. Somebody scream, I'm about to be blessed by God. It means sit, but it also means to marry, to become intimate with that which you are embracing. God is saying, he who dwells in the secret place. He's saying, you know what? He who marries the secret place of God. I'm going to tell you something. I got tired of becoming codependent on somebody else's prayers. I got tired of becoming codependent of somebody else prophesying over my life. I got tired of becoming codependent of having their crumbs, their spiritual crumbs. And I say, you know what? I'm going to grab myself a seat. And even if I have to wait a little longer to get my own batch, I'm going to wait a little longer because I'm going to dwell. And when you dwell, you know what I'm saying? When you dwell, that means that you're, that you're brave. Cowards cannot dwell. Why do you think that fathers leave their pregnant wives? Because they have a problem with dwelling. But when you have the spirit of the living God, you have no problem dwelling. Because where you dwell, he abides. Hallelujah. May I? May I? I'm a little chunky and stuff. You ain't got a problem with a little fat, right? Here you go. Here you go. Prophet Ronan, here you go. Hallelujah. It's a little sweaty, but I'm going to save it for tomorrow. <laughs> because where you dwell, that's where God abides. You see, we all got problems. And we all have. Sometimes we have a little bit too many problems. I remember when my dad died, I was like, forget ministry. Man, who's going to pray for me now? He would always pray for me before I would leave the house. He would anoint me with oil, old school status. And I would love it. I would, like, I would tell him, put more oil on me. Just in case I have a dry forehead. Huh? He would anoint me. And then at the end of his um, years, you know, they amputated his feet. But that didn't matter because he didn't pray on his feet. He prayed on his knees. 
So I would turn on the, I would, I would, I would call him and I'd turn it on. I'd put it on the, I'd put it on the podium and he'd be listening to the message and I'd get home and he'd be like, man, that felt so powerful. And I was like, that's because you prayed for me. Huh? That's because you prayed for me. And I understand we are, I mean, when that happened, I was like, man, you know what, man? Well, I mean, he, you know, after being in the streets, incarcerated, doing everything that I was not supposed to do, ended up in Asia because of those type of, that type of lifestyle that I chose. Uh, I ended up in Japan, doing, working in the underworld. And, and, and no, I didn't have a need for that, but that's how the devil, the devil's dirty. And I'm out there, and then in and out of jail, my dad would put his house on, on bonds so I can get out. And now that I was a preacher, the only thing I wanted to do in life is make him proud. Make Jesus proud and make my dad proud. And when he died, it was like, there's nobody else. And, and I had just gotten married. And to be honest, I've told her before, that didn't even matter. My wife was pregnant three months. I, I wanted so bad for my dad to meet my son. My dad didn't meet my son. I was like, you know what, what am I, what am I here for? It don't matter no more. I've already lived bad, and I kind of live good, and I don't matter anymore. And then, God, was up, as we buried my dad, I went back to the house to pick up some stuff, and God said, grab a seat. And I was like, what? I got to go pick up my wife. I got to go pick up my pregnant wife. I got to go pick up my mother. And God said, grab a seat. And I grabbed a seat, and I don't know how to say this in English, but I got todo berrinchudo. I got to see some of you guys understand that. Understand that. And as I sit down, I said, why did you take my dad? I mean, I, 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 man, I, was, I kept it real with God. Why did you take my dad? Didn't I tell you that that's all I wanted in life? I didn't want to drive a fancy car. I didn't want a big house. I just wanted to live, but I wanted my dad to be there. I wanted my, I wanted my dad to know that everything that he did for me was worth it. And as I'm sitting there and I tell God, why'd you take my dad? I told you to leave him, let him live a little longer. And he said, yep, I took him. He said, but I was supposed to take him six years ago. And I saw the need for you to find someone to be on your side. And I kept him alive for you. And now you ask me why you took him. And he said, you should be thanking me. Why? You should be thanking me that I didn't take him earlier. And he said, he was your father, he told me. But now I'm your father. I will guide you. I will anoint you. I will protect you. I will keep you in safe arms. I will let you know what my ways are for you. We all go through stuff. We all go through stuff. I said, we all go through stuff. So when Pastor Nolan and his brothers lost their mom, I was like, you know what? I've been there and done that. I didn't say anything. I just said, I'm right here. You need to punch somebody? Go ahead and punch me. Just don't knock me out. Let me go back to the message. It's getting late. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen. Because the move of God is present tonight. Listen, 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 listen. We all have worries. But you know what God is calling out? Calling out his people to dwell in this manifestation. God is calling you tonight. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how bad, 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 bad you've been. God is calling you to be part of this manifestation. This is not something just because Pastor Ronan woke up one morning and he had the good cereal. No, this is because this is ordained by God. God is in the business of saving souls and in this season the souls will come through the manifestation of a living God over the face of the earth I don't know if somebody's hearing what I'm saying but God needs his people to dwell for him to abide we need to dwell <laughs> He wants to abide, but for him to abide, we need to dwell. It don't matter who's sitting next to you. It don't matter how they eat their beans. What matters is we've all been washed and cleansed through the same blood of the living God. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. 
I prophesied over this house, over this man of God, over that woman of God, seven, eight years ago. And God told me, I'm going to take you today to release that prophetic word that you gave over them. And this is what the Spirit of the Lord told them back then. I will rise up the lame. I will bring up and start. They'll start running. Those who are paralyzed, the dumb will hear once again. The mute will speak again. The blind will see again. It was seven, eight years ago. I didn't know this man, but God spoke over his life. I come under the prophetic mantle and I release the word. I release the word. I release the word over this house. Not only over him, but over his mantle. Tu intercesión no ha sido en vano. Tu intercesión no ha sido en vano. Tu intercesión viene la doble porción, la doble porción. All things whole. All things whole. All things whole. Hallelujah. Check this out. Give me about 10 more minutes. Because I'm hungry. There could have been nobody else but Moses. Because if there was somebody that knew about dwelling, it was Moses. He dwelt 40 years in Midian in the dry heat. But what Moses did not know is that as he's running away from Egypt into Madian, Midian, what he does not understand the significance of Midian. And as he's running away as a murderer, God had set him up in the eyes of all for failure. But God was setting him up so that he can pursue God. Because Median in the Hebrew and in the English, it means entrapment. God was setting him up to draw him out of his lack into a land of purpose to cleanse him and prep him for greater days of his life. See, some of you guys have been going through a dry wilderness. Some of you guys have been going through a wilderness of illness. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is telling me to tell you right now, that illness is not going to kill you. It's just about to make you stronger and the faith is about to elevate in your life. Faith is about to grow up in you. Faith is about to mature in you. How are you going to lay hands on the sick and before you lay their hands on them they will be healed so he says he who dwells in the secret place check this out Moses because see when you dwell I get bored of things really fast I get tired of stuff my wife said on, on last Saturday, we're in a marriage conference. She said, my husband gets tired real easy of everything. She, she was like, thank God he ain't got tired of me yet. <laughs> I do. It's like, I'm a little weird when it comes. That's why, I'm, that's why your pastor and I get along. We're both local. <laughs> so I, like, I don't want to talk to anybody. And my wife, my wife, she has her master's in, in social work, so she, she understands my madness and stuff. Right? But check this out. But when you dwell somewhere, you cannot dwell experimenting the same thing all the time because you're going to get tired. How many of you guys have gotten pumped up before with the same meal that your wife makes? You're like, man, I want this tomorrow. She's like, don't worry, there's leftovers. <laughs> Over here. And then she'll make it the next week like, woo, baby, how I told you how fine you look. I look at y'all. She makes it again. Then on the third week, she makes it again. I'm like, oh, it was good, yeah. Don't tell her I said this, okay? Then she makes it a month later. She's like, oh, yeah. Like, then you, you, inside of your head, you say, it ain't all that, huh? Because you already got a little tired of it. And God knows this. That's why when you dwell, he continuously surprises us. I'm going to ask you a question. 
When was the last time that you said, oh, the Lord blessed me, man. It was just like the other day. No. You're like, man, he overdid himself. He never duplicates blessings. Are we here today? Are we here today? We duplicate things. We wear the same shirt every so often. We even do the same haircut every so often. Some of y'all women do the same dye every so often. You have the same gray every so often. But God always, always brings something new to the table. His blessings are new every, 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 every morning. Hallelujah. Let me go forward. But see, the importance of dwelling. I'm going to move over from this step, but I just want to stay here for a little bit. But see, Moses knew what it was to be in a confined, blessful place. To be in a place of blessing. And therefore, that's why God told him, rise me up a tabernacle. Because I want to dwell in the midst of my people. I want to be in the middle. I want to be in the midst of my people. And he gives them instructions for the tabernacle. And I'm going to go briefly in five minutes. And he gives them instructions. And these instructions are the key element for you and I to be able to dwell. Are we here? I said, are we here? Are we here? You see, revival is not just coming and just allowing pastor to pray and fast and read the word. No, 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 no. You're just going to get a glimpse of it. But I'm not talking about feeling revival. I'm not talking about encountering a visitation. I'm talking about dwelling in revival. I'm talking about you wake up speaking in tongues. I'm talking about you go to sleep with the word of God in your mouth. I'm talking about in the middle of the night, your wife is telling you, why were you speaking in tongues while you were sleeping? And you'll tell them, because revival. Revival wasn't over when I went to bed. Revival is all the time. It's all the time. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, revival is all the time. So it was, the, it was the tabernacle. He said, rise up a tabernacle. He gave him instructions. And he told him, there will be outer court. Say with me, outer court. And then there will be a holy place. Say with me, holy place. And then there will be the Holy of Holies. It was three sections. Notice how God speaks in three sections, three segments. Through three segments of Moses, 40, 40, 40. And then not only that, but this moment that he's raising up the tabernacle, he, tells, he splits it up in three sections. Number one, say number one. The outer court. Within the outer court, there was the altar of burnt offering. This represents, this typifies salvation. Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I may be saved. If you are saved, say glory to God. Tell your neighbor, I'm saved. What about you? No, no, no. Say, I'm saved. I hope you are as well. Tell them. But if you're not, you can be saved tonight. And most of the Pentecostals, don't be offended, they stayed in that burnt offering altar. I'm saved. Salvo, 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 salvo. Thank God I'm saved. But it ain't over there. Say it with me, it ain't over there. No, because there's a process. Because the goal is the holy of holies. That's revival right there. Holy of holies. Then there was the altar of the burnt offering, but then there was the labor. And that talks about our process of sanctification. Oh, you can't just stay saved. Because you know what happens if you just stay saved? Then when the buddies and the friends and the girls invited you to go to the club, you were like, mm-hmm, let's roll. But when you go through the labor and you become sanctified through the word, through the Holy Spirit. Then somebody comes to you and says, ¿Quieres una caguamita? I see some of you guys understand that, that term. You're like, nope. Nope. You're like, nope. Especially out here, it gets so hot out here. Huh? Now it's okay, I could do that because it gets so hot. I perspire, it don't stay in me. But when you get through, go through that process of sanctification purification they come to you like man and you pop up with that 32 uh, 32 ounce big gulp and you put slurpee in there too has anybody else done that before big boys do that sometimes 
And see, some people stay there. They're like, okay, I've just been, all right, I'm pure. And you start judging everybody that's not pure. And God's saying, no, you just got started. I didn't sanctify you just so you can st stay looking holy. I want, put I want people to feel the holiness in you. I want people to be impacted by your holiness. I want people to be blessed through your holiness. I want people to be healed through your holiness. Don't just stand there looking holy and looking dumb. Get up and do something with that holiness. Go speak about Jesus. Go rescue somebody. Go feed somebody. Hallelujah. But it ain't over there yet. You get saved. You get sanctified. But then the priest had to go a little forward. He couldn't stay in the outer courts. It's like you coming, getting saved, and never coming back again. Come on, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. So then they would have to go in the holy place. Because we're, we're trying to get, we're trying to dwell in the holy of holies. But there's rules. Tell somebody next to you, there's rules. I'm about to wrap it up. but let's do it. Then he goes into the holy place. And this is where you guys are going to be like, Man, he done messed up that sermon. Wait and see. Because this is the part where it's going to hurt. So then as they went into the holy place, there was the lampstand. And the lampstand was made of solid gold. And the lampstand always had to be burning. It required oil. Because the lampstand would bring the lighting into the holy place. Number one, you get saved. You get sanctified, but now you need to be, now you need to shine with the light of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And if he is the light, we must be light. Tell your neighbor, you must, must be light. You must be light. What does light do? It brings, it brings awareness to where there is darkness. It brings awareness. People are out there lost. Why? Because they don't see the light. But the light must be upon us. The, oh, hallelujah. Be honest. Have you met people that have the light of Christ? Be honest. And they shine. You're like, man, what kind of mascara do they put on? Man, they must have been extracting them blackheads or something. Because they just, they could be really dark and they glow. They're like, man, like, I'm not kidding, man. I'm talking to you truths. I was born in this. Because they're light. Amen? But what does light do? It allows people to see clearly. So you're saved. You're sanctified. But you also have to be transparent. Ouch. Ouch. I'm going to turn around and preach this part. I'm just going to ask you, don't say yay or nay. Does your wife know your password to your phone? Ouch. Can your wife go into your pictures and your messages? Hey, don't, don't say yes or no. Don't, don't try to act holy. Because the light, the light brings transparency. Transparency. But when you have nothing to hide... I just, you know, you know, I can't lie. I delete pictures. You know what kind of pictures? Because I take pictures of what I ate. <laughs> then I go back over there just in case my wife sees this. She's going to be, what do you mean you ate chili fries and a cheeseburger? But you have to be light. This ain't nothing new. This has been around for a long time. You have to be light. You know what happens when you go into a house infested with cockroaches and you turn on the light? <laughs> That's what the devil's should be doing when you walk into a place infested with demons. When you're living in revival, the devil will flee. When you're living in revival, the enemy will not rise up against you. He will lose. He will be defeated because the light of God upon your life is so strong. Somebody scream, I need to dwell. Number two. Number two. The table de la mesa de los panes de la propiciación. The table of the showbread. Table of the showbread. Amen? Amen? Some brother said, hey, bring some good bread to the table. And I was like, ya got some pan dulce. 
<laughs> man, I'm going to be doing that before I preach. I get hungry. I didn't get like this just because. Amen. Table of the showbread. So check this out. Table of the showbread. There was 12 breads on the table of the showbread. How many? 12. So I was like, oh. So when I started learning this, I was like, that's pretty cool, right? 12, the 12 tribes, the 12 disciples. So in my head, before learning, I was like, man, that looks good. It's like a multi-deck pizza. Huh? Yeah, because, you know, I don't know if you know, but pizza delivery is not new. It's been around since the days of David. Huh? Yeah. What did David's dad give him to go take it to his brother? Bread and cheese. Wow. <laughs> right, brother? Pupusa, pupusa. So, 12. It wasn't like that. There was six on one side and six on the other. It's like, whoa. Whoa, look at God. Trying to be sneaky, right? No. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that on the sixth day, God created man on his likeness and image. The number six is type of our humanity. That's why when, when David is taking the Ark of the Covenant back to his city, and, and he learned the sacrificial um, act that he had to take place, it said that at the sixth step, he would have to stop and sacrifice because before we go into the fullness of the number seven, we must stop and live sacrificial lives. And sacrifice what? God, no. Sacrifice ourselves. God already did one suffice, sufficient sacrifice, Jesus Christ on Calvary, whose sacrifice is now is us to stay standing. So six and six. So those represent us. <gasps> Brother, it represents the Lord said, I am the bread of life. Amen, that too. But six and six. The women are thinking, wow, God is so good. He was thinking about man and woman. Not in this case. <laughs> because there are two men that are outstanding and that are beneficial to you and I. And he is saying, in order for you to dwell, one, you need light. Two, you need the bread of life, which is the word of God. But the bread of life, the word of God, cannot just be stored in your library or on your app. It has to be within you. Come here. Look like you play football. So he's saying, so the first six, there is a man. The fallen man, Adam, which is the, in Greek is sarkiko. And then there is the risen man, which is Christ. Listen, can't do one without the other. Because one makes us embrace the other. And one was risen for the other. <laughs> Are you guys here today? So what he's saying is, he puts six and six. There is no way you'll be able to do life. You need to go to small groups. You need to come to church. But above all that, there's no way you can do life without being paralleled and walking by the side of Jesus. Come on, no homophobia here. You need to grab onto Jesus and walk with him. Wherever you go, he needs to dwell on your side. Don't let him go. If you act up and you feel him leaving you, grab onto him tighter and say you ain't going nowhere and somebody scream I'm about to start dwelling I'm about to start dwelling you need to walk joint with Christ come on Jesus when you're feeling all dumb and looking all dumb just walk with Jesus he'll make you look good when I met my wife I asked her sister you didn't know this about me I asked her sister he said hey mama what's up with your sister because I hadn't felt anything for anybody in a long time. I was focused. I saw my wife and I lost focus. <laughs> and I, I hit up her sister because, <laughs> believe it or not, even though that we're extroverted when it comes to preaching, in our personal life, I'm very introverted, a little weird. 
So I wasn't daring to tell my wife now, thank God. Hey, what's up? So I go to her sister. And I said, hey, mammy. So it's your sister. She was like, she was like, she don't like fat guys. <laughs> Hate her. Hate her. I want her to talk back, but I'm trying to stay sanctified, amen. I'm like, That's cool. I don't even like her anyway. I said, I don't even like her anyway. So you know what I did? You want to hear what I did? I went on a fast. I did. I did. You might be like, well, that big boy don't fast. I fast. I just make it up really good. <laughs> so I went on a fast for seven days, Pastor Ronan. And I said, Lord, I got two prayer requests. You can answer one or the other. One, you make me skinny. <laughs> or two, you make her like fat guys. She ran, listen to this, she ran track and field for Cal State Long Beach as I was trying to hook up with her. She hardly ate meat. She didn't drink sodas. Any other big boy would have been like, hey, I'm going to be with her. But I came back and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was still big. But I felt the boldness of the Holy Spirit. And I said, Lord, let her, let her see you through me. Keep me. Keep me anointed, Lord God. Okay? And when you walk with Christ and you dwell with him, you start looking like him. Oh, I'm going to say it again. You start looking like him. People start seeing Jesus in you. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is good looking. Huh? He ain't fat, but he's good looking. Big people need love too. Amen. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. Because I have Christ in me, and I've been dwelling in his presence. And I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Because I'm teaching you guys to dwell in his presence, right? Because people think that dwelling in his presence is just to get healed. No, it's to do life. It's to become a powerful entre entrepreneur. To become a good neighbor. Become a good employee. Huh? To drive your car with style, too. Oh. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. And if she says no, oh, well, I'll just rebuke her. So I called her. I said, Sister Patricia, Hermana Patricia, I, 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 I wanted to see if you want to go have coffee. I don't drink coffee. But I figured she's Latina and she might drink coffee. She said, okay, we can go out and have coffee. I said, well, we want to have coffee. And we're there. And I'm like, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. One of the greatest signs of revival is joy. Uh, Bible, Bible, you want Bible? I'm going to take your Bible. When King Solomon's about to inaugurate the temple, his prayer was, Lord, fill my priests with joy. I didn't laugh when I was growing up. It was all Pentecost. They're like, he fell under the power. No, I'm scared of you. <laughs> so I went over there, bro. I went over there with my big self. I was, believe it or not, I was bigger than now. I, I'm still big, but I was 70 pounds heavier. That happened in an accident in 2014. I'm not going to talk about that today. So I went over there. We had coffee. I don't drink coffee. I was wired for like 13 days. But as I'm there, I drank, I drank two cups, too, because I was so nervous. And I was like, hermana Patricia. She was like, See, hermano Tony? I like, she called me hermano. That's so cute. <laughs> and I was like, I have something to tell you. I have something to tell you. And she just stayed quiet. Cause, and I said, man, you know, she might think I might give her a prophetic word or something. And I was like, I wanted to tell you something. And I was like, uh, I got to say it in Spanish. Because I said, le quería decir que, que usted me gusta. <laughs> Sounds nice, right? So See, in English, it's like, and I like you. It's kind of like normal. But in Spanish, it's strong. Que usted, usted me gusta. She was on like 22 and stuff. Usted. And she was like, ¿sabe qué, hermano Tony? And I'm like, oh. ¿Sabe qué? Usted también me gusta a mí. Yes!
And then, you know what I said? No que no le gustaban los gorditos. Pastor, Pastor Ron, Muñoz, they know how much my wife loves me and they know how much I love her. When you dwell, God has your back. God has your back. Let's wrap it up. You have to walk right alongside with him. If you're not aligned with Christ, realign yourself with Christ tonight. It's so easy to get realigned with Jesus tonight. And number three, number one, you got to be light. Number two, you have to be right alongside with Jesus, and it represents the bread of life, the word of God. For you to be in revival and dwell in revival, you have to shine with the light of Jesus. Number two, you have to have his word in your mouth. You're not going to be in revival if you don't read the scriptures. You're not, it's not going to happen. You're going you're to see the glimpse. You're going to have the crumbs of revival every time you come here because somebody else was reading the word. So you're going to feel it, the, 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 the effects of it. But when you embrace the word, you're going to be at work in revival. You're going to be in the car in revival. And last, the altar of incense. What is the altar of incense? It's our prayer life. I ask you today, you want revival? I chose many years ago to live in revival. And I've been criticized. I've been called old school. They ask me, how old are you? And when I tell them my age, they're like, man, you need to update yourself. I say, update for what? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore in my life. He don't need to be updated. It's the same power. It's the same word. It's the same fire. It's the same true and living God. And he is who I worship. He is who I praise. He is who I preach about. He is who heals. He is who saves. It is time. Abundant life. Let's not call our revival. Let's dwell in the revival. This is the season of revival. Somebody shout. I'm dwelling in revival. I'm dwelling in revival. I'm dwelling in revival. I'm dwelling in revival. In 1998, I got banned from Japan. I got banned for 10 years. I was incarcerated, I accepted Jesus, I had to turn myself in. Then I got banned for 10 years. And those 10 years were not up to 2009, but in 2004, God said, my son, I'm going to take you to Japan because you're going to ignite a revival out there. And I said, Lord, you know I can't go in. He said, I'm going to take you to Japan because you're going to take revival over there. I went down there. I told the Lord, I don't have the money. He said, that's not a problem. I'm taking you over there. He placed all the finances. I said, Lord, if it is you that is taking me out there, I'm going to go with my passport that says that I've been, I've, been, I've been deported for 10 years from the country. If it is you, I will go through those doors. If it is you. He said, go. I went down there, Pastor Ronan, in 2004. And as I got to the airport... You have to understand that when you dwell in those promises and you don't see them as something in the past but something in the present day that if it does not happen today, it's going to happen tomorrow. And if it doesn't happen tomorrow, it's going to happen the day after that. And it's going to have to happen because God spoke it. And if God spoke it, it will come to pass. And I went down there. And once I got to customs, they took me and they arrested me. And they said, why are you here? You're banned. You have to even get approved after 10 years. You can't even hop on the plane. How did you get on the plane? I said, ah, oh, you ain't going to understand. They said, prep him. He goes back tomorrow morning on the next flight. I sat in that, in that room. And they kept on coming in. Why would you come here? Are you dumb? In Japanese, they're like, baka. Baka is dumb. I was like, nope, I'm not dumb. But in my mind, it's, how can I tell a man? What a God so great has told me to do. Three, four men came into the room. I didn't say anything. I said, you know what? 
I told God, I told God not to send me. And God must have been looking at me and a poor, pobrecito. And as I'm there sitting, all of a sudden, after three or four men, agents came in, a young lady came in. She must have been about 24 years old, 25, no more than 25. She spoke perfect English, and she started speaking to me. She's like, why would you come to Japan? I was like, for one, because I love it. Yeah, but you've been bad. Look, they would show me the passport. I'm like, yeah, I know. But you'll never understand my story. She was like, you have more than 20 hours. I have time. So I said, look, in 1994, I went to jail here in Los Angeles, California. I fought a case, and in part I won, in part I lost. I served a sentence. And in 1996, when I got out, my family shipped me out to here, to Japan. I said, I came here, and I was living my old ways. I gave her names. I said, I was with these people. I was doing here, and I was doing there. I said, that's why my, my, my broken Japanese is a street Japanese, because I learned it in the streets. I said, but on December of 1997, the little local church invited me to a youth camp. I said, and I went because there was this good-looking girl that was going to go, and I wanted to go, and I was trying to go, go to hook up with her. And I'm telling my story to this lady. And I said, but at that retreat, something happened. Something happened. I was 22 years old, and something happened. Something that I never felt in L.A., something that I never felt in Mexico, happened in Japan. Something happened. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I'm not looking at her because it's out of it's disrespectful to look at a young lady directly in their eyes, especially someone of authority. And I told her, I don't know if you understand, but I gave my life to Jesus. After being a hoodlum, after being a criminal, I gave my life to Jesus. And when I gave my life to Jesus, I turned myself into the authorities. And you guys arrested me. And I had to wait to be deported. I turned myself in because there was something that occurred while living in Japan. And as, I, as I'm talking to her, I hear her. I hear her. She's breathing hard. She's not a heavy set woman. She's breathing hard. And I look up and I'm thinking she either has allergies or she's crying. And I told her, I said, man, I'm going to take it by faith. God is touching her. And I said, you know what? And when I went back home, God told me, go back to Japan and prophesy over the land because there's great earthquakes that are going to come this way and God brought me here to speak life to speak revival and as I look up she's crying she's shedding tears and I asked her miss am I gonna ask you something why are you crying and she says you don't understand my story my parents are pastors and God has been promising to bring prophets to our land You know what I asked her? I said, are you going to let me in? She said, I'm not only going to let you in, but if you promise me that while you're in our land, you're going to bless our land, I'm going to clean your record. And I'm going to wipe it all out. When you dwell, the impossible becomes possible. There are no setbacks when you dwell. Because if there is a setback, God is setting you up to catapult you into the greater dimension that he has prepped for you. I said, who is this lady? She let me in. I didn't worry about it. I came back the next year and it said, have you ever been deported? And I was like, can't lie, God. I've already, I've already seen God in action. I went back one year later. Check this out and I'm done, I promise. And as I'm going in, they say, been deported. They took me back to the little room. I already know where it's at. I walked over by myself and I said, God is about to come through again. And they said, you've been deported? I said, yeah, I've been deported. In 1998, I got deported and I was sentenced for 10 years. I can't come back. And they're like, are you sure? He went back about seven times. Are you sure? What's, give me your passport. 
I said, I got deported. And after about the eighth time, some guy goes, Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Come back, come back. You know what? It's signed off. It's signed off. He can come in the country. And I was like, who signed it off? And then they were like, what we don't understand is, why would she, do you know this lady? I'm like, I don't know anybody. I ain't trying to get in trouble. I don't know anybody. This lady is the highest authority of immigration of Japan. But what's funny to them, she wasn't supposed to be at that level. She's at the executive level. God will bring down executives when you dwell. God will bless you with higher people when you dwell. I want to know if there's somebody in this place that is saying tonight, I'm ready to dwell. I'm ready to dwell. If that's you, I want you to run to this altar saying, I'm ready. I'm ready to dwell. I'm ready to dwell. When you dwell, your home will dwell. Where you as a wife dwells, your husband will also dwell. Thus says the Spirit of the Lord. If it is not so, I am not a prophet of God. People with HIV will be instantly healed in this place. Diabetics will be completely healed in this place. God will give brand new pancreas in this place. God will bring brand new, brand new, brand new, brand new kidneys to this place. This is a place where people come back to life. 